0: Um, in a dressing room at Buddy Guys today is New Year's Eve 2016 last night I got to see Toronto Cannon and his blistering performance last night at, at Buddy Guys and he's been kind enough to come back and have a little chat with me so
1: first of all what a great show last night thank you thank you you were wonderful well I, I try my best with what I got you know <laughs> <laughs> Smoking mirrors man it's smoking and mirrors
0: you know. no I think there's a lot of work that went into that
1: You've been playing in Chicago for a very long time, is that correct? Yeah, I guess it's turned out to be a long time now. Um, at least, well, I have my band since 2001, so 15 years or uh, 16 years is nothing to sneeze at, I guess. And 16
0: years as a lead performer, but before that, you did a lot of Sideman gigs, is that
1: Yeah, not a lot. I, I started, you know, when you're in Chicago, Sideman gigs are everywhere. You mm-hmm. know, if, if you're dependable, <laughs> your equipment works and you got uh, some sort of a stage presence, you get a gig, you know. Um, depend- dependability is a good is a good thing to get you some gigs. So
0: showing up is a good thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, um, cats look at that, lead guys look at that. Now I understand as a lead guy, you want your guys to be there. If you take a gig, honor the gig. Right. Respect the stage, learn the music, you know, things like that, so.
0: You were born in Chicago, correct? Born in Chicago, yeah. So tell yeah. me about growing up in Chicago.
1: Um, Well, I lived on the south side of Chicago. Uh, I lived by a place called Teresa's on Forty-Eight and Indiana Mm -hmm. in the basement. Uh, The only thing I knew at the time that my uncles went down there, you know, and I didn't know the significance of the blues at that time, and we're talking about um, uh, late 70s, you know, middle 70s, late 70s. There was an ice cream shop down the street from, from Teresa's, and me and my brothers and sisters would go down. To the ice cream shop, and I would kind of run down once in a while to to the end of the corner because that's where I knew my uncles hung out <laughs> in the place called Teresa's. And um, you know, I had again, I didn't know any, I didn't know the significance of it until I started playing blues and like or practicing guitar in like '96, '97. What kind of music were you into? <clears throat> well, I'm a child of the late '70s and early '80s, I guess. So it it'll be anything from. Parliament Funkadelic, Shaka Khan, Ohio Players, and then in the 80s, you know, George Michael, you know what I mean, Devo, right. The Police, Blondie, you but, know. But
0: you didn't start playing the guitar. You didn't pick up the guitar until much later.
1: No. Uh, I like, mean, like 22. Yeah, yeah 21, 22, maybe even 23. Yeah. yeah, I mean, my, my sister bought me an acoustic. Well, that's because I couldn't play basketball anymore, <laughs> you know. Oh. And at that time, I was very interested in reggae. You know, had my little dreadlocks and all that stuff. You oh, know. really? Yeah. you well, we to see some I, pictures. Yeah, yeah, I, I got some pictures. Yeah, they... So it was mean,
0: basketball and reggae?
1: Well, well yeah, it was just, you know, I was listening to reggae. Uh, <laughs> I had a friend, a Jamaican friend I went to college with, and uh, I went to a community college here in Chicago. And um, <laughs> I shouldn't say this, I guess. But he... I was listening to the police. You know, the reggae. police got a strong, like, reggae yeah, influence yeah, sure. or whatever, Sting and all those guys. And uh, he said... Um, I, he gave me a tape, a uh, Bob Marley tape, Confrontation, i never forget it, the, the, you know, the cassette tape. Yeah. And I listened to it, and I said, man, they sound like the police. <laughs> and, he must and, appreciate Oh my that. God, as a Jamaican cat, yeah, and because and I, I knew of Bob Marley, but I didn't know of right, Bob right. Marley, you know. Um, I was wrapped up in my whatever my parents were listening to, or my brothers, yeah. or my uncle And George Michael. Yeah, well, in the 80s, you know, well, yeah, well, well, we're talking about 86, yeah. I mean, I would just, you know, which, but I said, they sound like the police. He's like, um, I, you know, he almost fell on the floor. I can see why. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so, So after I got, you know, after my soul got wounded, you know, for like, you know, knowing, knowing what I was missing, I started like listening to reggae, man, Steel Pulse, and I mean, just everybody.
0: What man. a great band Steel Pulse was. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, just, I mean, I was going to... to um, like even the, the dub poets guy, uh, Lyndon Quazy Johnson or whatever the guy' name, but I was just, anything that had the reggae rhythm, I was like trying to listen to it, you know. So and you start playing reggae. Start playing reggae on the acoustic guitar. But how I came into playing guitar was uh, listening to John Cougar <laughs> when he was John Cougar. I know right. I, I, I'm a I'm a ragtag of. Mm-hmm. Influences, I guess, true you know, the true
0: blues tradition. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the police,
1: the police. John yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but that's how I started, you know, because my sister was practicing piano, and everybody around the house she was like, "Oh, you want a uh, instrument? What do you want to play?" Me and my little sister, whatever. And I, at that time, I was nursing a bad knee because I couldn't play ball. I uh, broke my meniscus, you know, yeah. and I wasn't trying to be professional. It was just a, a hobby type thing, you know. And uh, being out with the guys, talking crazy, you know, trash talking or whatever. So
0: there was no possibility of...
1: Pro, no. No, okay. No, just, it was just being out with the guys, man, just, you know, I guess some sort of fitness or whatever, too. Um, But uh, I said, I want to play guitar. And that was from looking, you know, or listening at that time at heavy, like, acoustic John Cougar stuff, like Rain on the Scarecrow and... Lonesome Jubilee and all that stuff, which I am surprised I still remember that stuff. But it it, <laughs> this it is good stuff. Yeah, man. it touched me in a way where it's like, you know, wow. You know. So anyway, she bought me the acoustic guitar, which I still have, like an old harmony. Um, and um again, too, I was, you know, mixing it with the Bob Marley stuff. I wanted to learn redemption song. Great song. And I was like, you know, and I, and I would have the videotapes and all that stuff. So when I when she got me the guitar, I didn't know I was left-handed. Mm-hmm. On for guitar, cause I picked it up, and the little string the, the, the thin string was on the top, and I said I I think that big string <laughs> that big string is supposed to be on the top, <laughs> cause I kept looking at Bob Marley when he did Redemption song in the studio, you know, and she was like, okay, so we took it back to the place and the guy I'm sure overcharged me because forty five dollars now to you know I'm thinking now it don't cost that much to change the strings over. <laughs> But, you know, he saw the greenness. But it
0: had to be more than just changing strings, right? Because you had to change the.
1: Well, you have to change the nut yeah. at the, oh, the bridge, I mean, the bridge. Machine heads and all that. Yeah, yeah well, well this an acoustic guitar. So, the, oh, yeah, okay. So okay, maybe, yeah. you know, maybe he did cut a new nut or whatever, but $45 in those days, no, not in those days, but in the like 90... Um, 97, no, I'm sorry, not 97, 94, 95, maybe, you know. And I bought my first electric guitar in, like, 97, 96, 97. But and this then,
0: was just a hobby. You liked took, playing guitar. You yeah. You played with your friends, yeah. basically.
1: Uh, No, I in the house, in the house. And uh, started going out to jams around 96, 97. And, uh, and, you know, just like a community. And then, you know, I started, when, you know, if, well, first I wanted to go. I wanted to play reggae, like I mm-hmm. wanted to play be in a reggae band. Which, what kind
0: of reggae what kind of reggae scene is there in, in Chicago?
1: There's a heavy reggae scene. Yeah. Um okay. yeah, uh, the place Wild Hair and um and um uh, Wild Hair and Exodus. A place called Exodus back in those days. Right. Ziggy Marley, family kinda uh, co owned Wild Hair and oh. things like that. Yeah, so he would be in town all the time. Um but um, you know, I was again practicing and and I, so again, I just freaked out now that I didn't know I was left-handed at the time, you know. But well, um, how could you know? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I just the big string should be on top. So, um, start learning. Got my first electric. Start going out to jams, and um, they would be playing songs that I remember when I was, you know, as a kid living by Teresa's and my uncles come over. My my aunt. So these would be blues jams blues jams oh, okay. yeah because there was no reggae jams anywhere you know and I'm like and I wanted to play reggae and then, and then the times that that I would want to like you know play in reggae jams you know they you know I, I I think the reggae community can be a closed community mm-hmm. sometimes you know and they' say oh no we play that song already mine I'm like oh okay <laughs> I I I feel the elbow I feel the elbow you ain't fooling nobody you know what I mean so so I'd sell her, you know what, okay, cool, you know. I'll just go play, you know, play, play some blues, that's, you know.
0: Did, did playing the guitar come natural to you? Like, was it easy?
1: No, I, 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 I would take to take it to work. You know, at that time I was managing a the movie theater. I was assistant manager at the movie theater on the north side, so I carried everywhere I go, and girls would be looking at me differently and stuff. And I only knew, like, literally, honestly, three chords and a couple of runs, I knew the baseline of redemption song, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but but the girls didn't have to know that. Yeah, they just saw me carry the case and say, "Oh," uh, and I'm like, "Oh wow, that's kind of cool," you know. Uh, it is something. It is something about that where guys, like rock and roll guys, say, "I just started playing guitar because of the girls," you know. And, and Believe something me, I've done a lot that. of interviews and yeah. many have started because of the girls. That, that's that's I don't know. If that's a phenomenon. That's crazy though. But I, I guess it's cool though. You know. But uh, so um, but you must see it like constantly when you're
0: carrying the guitar, or even last night when you walked in. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many of those people are fr- friends mm-hmm. versus fans, but there were a lot of fans coming up to you. And
1: yeah, yeah. You know,
0: and I, I know you're you have another job, which is mm-hmm. driving a bus, yeah, and I don't oh, think yeah. you get treated the same way.
1: <laughs> no, unless I'm late, <laughs> and then they, they, you know, then they then they acknowledge me. Why are you late? I'm late for work, you know. So, <laughs> tell yeah.
0: me how that. How long have you been driving for the Chicago Transit Authority? Really?
1: 24 years. Wow. 24 years. How so. did you get into that? <laughs> In the need of a job, you know. It was supposed to have been a job to just kind of like, I'm only going to do it for a couple of years. and you know, Right. And maybe, you know, because I had no responsibility, no kids, no, you know, real significant girlfriend. I had a girlfriend or whatever, but it was just kind of like what it was, you know, and it turned out to be, you know, like one of the better jobs in the city or whatever, and, um, you know, you get benefits, you get things going, it's yeah. like, wow, you know, I could buy an electric guitar, like, oh, you know, you know, things like that, so. um, Yeah, so about 24 years, but it just turned, it was, to me, it was just a job to, to see what else, where it leads to, you know. But throughout this whole time, you've had that job, and then you
0: pursued music.
1: Yeah, I don't know or if I was pursuing just, music, I was just hanging out. You know, I was just kind of, I, I never had that uh, dream of I'm going to be a blues musician. I'm going to, you know, do this. And I just, I never had that um, that desire, that hunger, I guess. You know, it was just the fact that I was hanging out every Wednesday at blues, et cetera. Um, shout out to Rodney Brown because he's the first one that got me on stage at blues, et cetera. And um, <clears throat> it was just a thing of... Um, Hanging out, like, you know, I guess that replaced the basketball right. hanging out, where it's like there's a community, community of basketball players. We have our own mentality, and then you get to this other community of blues musicians and everybody hanging out and things like that. And it's like, oh, wow.
0: And were they very welcoming and accepting of you?
1: Some were, and it was, it was cool. And um, I got to say this, Mike Wheeler, I think he's playing, he's playing tonight, actually. Yeah, yeah. He's one of the first guys that gave me his number and said, you know like cuz no you get in on the on the scene or any music scene i guess you got guys saying, hey man give me a call man we're going to hang out we're going to do this da 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 you know cuz you're a new guy or whatever right. and mike Wheeler was the first guy that actually called me <laughs> you know and like and wanted to talk and i was like uh cuz when he called me i was like who is this he's like mike i said oh yeah you know the, the cat from the jam he's like i said what's up he's like just wanted to holler at you I wanted to talk i'm like oh huh? Huh. And and Mike has been, it, it's, it, Mike has been my friend. And Al Spears as you know, he just called me. Those been like my friend, like with, like Three Musketeers, you know. And I tell him, I'm only gonna have two pallbearers when I die. <laughs> 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 so I might cremate myself to make it a little easier on them, you know. <laughs>
0: but, so mm-hmm. these are um, not partners in crime. They're not competition. These are the, your support
1: no. system. Yeah, I mean, and they both play guitar, and Mike. Mike is just like a, a hero that I can talk to, you know, like a, he's one of, you know, he's a guy, again, I, I and I hate to say it, but I, again, but if I was going to jump off a ledge, don't call nobody else, call Mike Will or call Al Spears. I don't want to talk to no negotiators or nothing. <laughs> call one of those two guys to get me off this ledge, you know, and they've they just been very cool to me, and, and it's, you know, it's nice to have friendships like that, you know, because right. sometimes... This, you know, I hate to say this business, but sometimes playing this music, you know, you got catched it. Don't have your best interest at heart, yeah. you know, because well, they consider you competition, yeah. which I've never considered people competition. It's just like because I came into this kind of backwards. You know, I, I, I didn't come into this thinking I'm going to be anything. I just wanted to, you know, in some ways um, I've been saying this recently because I, I thought about it a lot. I wanted to justify when I started buying guitars. You know, like I bought like a, a two thousand dollar guitar, and I wanted to justify the reason of buying that guitar by getting gigs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's I, I sure. didn't want to be the one guy that, oh, I got a gig this month, and then you wait another, you know, a gig a month. You know, it's like I need to justify this two thousand dollar purchase I got. You know,
0: right.
1: And and that's when I, you know, I start forming my band or whatever. You know, and um, and things. I guess I got some sort of a personality.
0: Well, you 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 definitely do on stage. I'm curious as to how you Mm -hmm. reached the point that you're at today if you weren't really driven (laughs) by um, making this a career. I know you had your full-time job, and I presume it's a very secure job and pays well and whatever, Mm -hmm. but it's hard work. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, once or twice a week, you're going out there gigging. So Mm -hmm. how does that once a week, twice a week jamming and gigging become? You mean
1: then? back
0: then, become uh, what it is today, which is somebody who's signed to Alligator, who's, who's done very well, who tours
1: around the world. Yeah. I mean, again, back then, I maybe I need to think a little bit more, but I just don't even think about it. It was like, I know Wednesdays and Mondays were my time to go jam. I, you know, I suffer a little sleep, but at that time I was working at, um, like maybe nine o'clock to, you know, um, like five or six, or whatever, on the bus. So I really didn't stress me out as far as, like, I'm hanging out at the club. You know, I don't drink. I don't smoke, you know, things like that. So I didn't have anything wearing me down right. as far as, like, I can't make it to work the next day. You know, it was just kind of like that was just part of my my schedule. I, I, Mondays and Wednesdays, i go jam and would hang out with some cats. Did you love it? Yeah, I mean, to be around people with the like mind and, You know, it's just like, wow, you know, um, there's a a good, a great guy that will, another one of my heroes actually, Mr. Chico Banks, Mm -hmm. that passed away in 2008, he was like our Michael Jordan of the blues here in Chicago, great guy, only seen him mad one time, (laughs) you know, but um, we started to kind of travel and do things like play gigs together, and that's, and in a way that was kind of like my gauge that's how i knew i was kind of going in the right direction because i've always questioned myself am i part of the scene or am i just a guy just got a couple of gigs you know at that time but or do you coming think that's up part
0: or... of being an artist is questioning yourself and, <laughs> and having that self torture and
1: yeah i guess so yeah but but mike again you have to go back to mike willa you know i asked him i said how do i know that i'm on the scene like because i know once in a while you get guys like come in from out of town and they'll be at the jam, or you know, we'll be at the jam, and they will remember me from the year before when they had a conference or something to come in. Right. And I'm always like, "Wow, that's kind of, you know, that's that's cool." You know, I guess the guy remembered me, or a guy would you would see come from across the room, and you just had your little jamming or whatever, you know, not a, not your repertoire, not your band, it's just guys you're jamming with, and they would come from across the room and give you like some heavy compliments and things like that, and it's like. Wow, that's kind of cool, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, stuff that I never, never really experienced, you know, when people give me compliments like that. But I asked Mike, I said, "Uh, how do I know I'm on the scene? Like, you know, how do we know we're a Chicago thing as opposed to Detroit or California? And he said, you work, right? You work in gigs? I said, yeah. He's like, you working more than uh, twice, twice a month or something? I said, yeah, and he's like, you're on the scene, you know? It was like Forest for the Trees type thing or whatever, you know.
0: Well, it's an interesting <laughs> thing. And also because Chicago being, you know, the, a big home of the blues, yeah, and it yeah. also has many legends who are established here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I guess it's, you know, I mean, it has, and, and it and also attracts a lot of people coming to Chicago, like, mm-hmm. the, like the people we were talking about before, even people from out of country mm-hmm. who come here to learn the blues, to yeah. play with the people.
1: I mean, there's been a lot of musicians that I know that have come here. They they made that pilgrimage to like from Florida, from Japan, from mm-hmm. England, from, I mean, Australia, Israel. You know, they came here to play blues and some made it and some didn't make it. Some went back to or they went to other cities or whatever or they just kind of said, okay, it's not like it used to be when it was like when Buddy... And right. all them cats come from down south because they heard, hey, you know, Elmore James or whoever, you know. Uh, I guess it wasn't like it used to be, but some have weathered the storm and stayed <laughs> and 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 is part of the scene, you know, or the blues scene here in Chicago, which I always admire that. I'm like, man, that's kind of cool to uproot yourself from your place where you're comfortable at. and You know every street light and everything yeah, just yeah. to go to a place because you, I mean, that's why I never questioned anybody or any culture about, you know, their how how they love the blues. And sometimes, uh, you know, people can get caught up on the whole black-white thing and all that stuff, and or the cultural thing. And and it's like, you know what? I can't tell anybody that an uprooted their life <laughs> and come to seek out the blues and all that. How are you gonna tell that person not they can't play blues? Right. You know. I, we all know where it came from, we know the significance of it, and it came from slavery and the whole thing and all that stuff. But you can't tell a person you know, you can't play the blues just because you this, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't subscribe to that.
0: Okay, but how even even that, the notion of where the where it comes from with the Mississippi Delta and mm-hmm. and the and the South and whatever, that's not really you either. Yeah, right? it is
1: not me either. Yeah,
0: yeah. But at the same time you were living close to the projects in Chicago, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there was a certain lifestyle that you're aware of that a lot of other people
1: aren't aware of. Yeah, well I was having a talk <laughs> I was having a talk with a guy, um, actually it was a white guy, he used to hang out in the clubs in the sixties and seventies at Teresa's. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, uh, he was saying, uh, wow, you know, you live in a bad neighborhood. You live like, you know, basically you live in the ghetto. And I'm like it wasn't a ghetto to me, it was home, right. <laughs> you know. And I guess that aloofness or whatever is kind of like, because maybe it was bad to him, but for me, you know, this just was home. And, you know, um, I mean, I didn't take it any as any um, disrespect or anything, but home is home, you know what I mean? So, so
0: what I witnessed last night was somebody who's very confident on stage, who who plays very well, who sings really well, who <laughs> has amazing... Yeah. Interesting songs with Mm -hmm. a a lot of humor in it. Yeah. Um, Tell me, when you first started, what did you think you had to work on? What What were the things that you thought I
1: really need to work on this and to get to where you are today? Being a guitar player, man, there's so many great guitar players here in Chicago, and you know, my thing was I ain't trying to be the king or to be the best. I just want to keep up, Mm -hmm. you know. And I've always had that kind of. You know, I, I'm not trying to be the king of the hill or nothing. I just want to keep up with what's going on. I want to be part of something, part of a movement. Um, so guitar playing is a guitar player. That's what I always, you know, everybody want to get that Jimi Hendrix moment where they just, you know. <laughs> I
0: think I saw it last yeah, night. Yeah, where they, just,
1: <laughs> where they just freak out and people just like, uh, you know. Everybody wants that, you know, where you go outside of yourself and see yourself playing guitar, you know what I mean? Um, but, I mean, yeah, guitar playing, I think, and... Singing has always been whatever it was. I mean, I was in the church choir, you know, when I was younger in my teenage years, you know. And um, I mean, I'm not the best singer in the world, but again, I'm keeping up, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I'm not one of them cats that can sing the phone book and it sound good, you know what I mean? You know, right. you got some cats that can do that, and sometimes I tend to write songs that for guys that can do that. But it's it, you know, it's like I just wish one of the guys would a good like soul singer type. Mm-hmm. Take one of my songs and 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 sing it the way it's supposed to be saying, <laughs> you know. Even though I wrote it, you know. But uh, I think guitar playing was the most thing where it's like I want to get great in that and, and and you know get outside myself and.
0: And what about and, the songwriting? Because obviously, as I said, there, it's quite apparent that you you, you deal with interesting subjects mm-hmm. and with a twist, mm-hmm.
1: which mainly has humor and, yeah, well, I, I think that's the throwback from my trash-talking days and playing basketball. <laughs> you know, everything's kind of connected. I mean, we used to talk trash, <laughs> you know. So I figure, why not redirect it? You know what I mean? And write some songs. But I mean, there's, you know, there's humor in. Again, <laughs> it might not to the guys about to get a divorce. Maybe not, but you know, there's humor in the song "Bad Contract." Mm-hmm. You know, where it's like, if you think about it, it is a bad contract. You know. It's like driving the car off the lot, and it's half now. It's, it depreciated a half, and I just drove it off the, the lot. So, and actually, and I got that song years ago by listening to an old Howard Stern uh, um, radio when he was on radio. like regular radio, and uh, or terrestrial radio, whatever they call it. And, and he and he got his first divorce, and he's like, it's a bad contract. It's a bad contract. So there's a lot of things that's kind of like stored in my head that I reach back and get and say, wow, that's a nice subject for... Because I've never been through divorce or nothing, you know.
0: Does it does writing come easy to you?
1: Uh, n- no, yes and no, I guess. I got like a whole lot of, like... I got stacks of paper with just different little sayings on it, different things that might come together. Or movies that I've seen, or... Like the song, Walk It Off, is from a Spike Lee situation when... Uh, when Denzel Washington' girlfriend, two girl, his girlfriends, came in the club, Mo Better Blues," right, right. and you know that's again, I, you know, it's just stuff that come to me. I, I pull pieces of lyrics from different experiences or stuff that I've experienced, but I try not, to, <laughs> I try to mask my experiences. You know, <laughs> I have a fourteen-year-old daughter. You know. <laughs> but are you constantly writing? Is this a an ongoing thing, or do you write when you have to con- do an con- album? Constantly writing, uh, constantly putting stuff down. on the. This last CD, actually the last two CDs were kind of written on the bus. As when, you were when driving. I did, when I did Delmark and uh, and this alligator thing. You know, just at red lights. you know, <laughs> <laughs> Not taking tickets, so, you know, say, hey, yeah, I got you, you know, and ride with my elbows, staring at the steering wheel or nothing. No. Um, you know, I've always had a piece of paper in my pocket and a pen, and, and I listen to, I'm um, not listening, but I'm, um, you know, I just kind of, you know, because once you're driving a bus 10 hours a day, you know, people complaining, traffic, whatever, is what it is, you know. Right. And my mind is just kind of like, okay, how can I flip, you know, like, you know, a song? Because I don't want to be the guy again. I don't want, I don't want to walking down the street, shuffling my feet, dancing to the beat. You know, it's, yeah. that's too... You know, and I think some cast that write like that, they just trying to get to the guitar solo, and they have, my thing is not belittling the audience's intelligence, mm-hmm. you know. I've had some guys say, well, why you not writing for the guy at the bar, you know, drunk at the bar, you know, like maybe my songs will go over somebody's head. I'm like, why write for a drunk guy at the bar? <laughs> Eventually he's going to get a song that that, a song that's maybe, you know, touch him or whatever the case is, but how do you know Maybe he's drunk for a reason. Maybe he's going through a bad contract. Right. Maybe he's having a midlife crisis. You know, um, so yeah. I mean, I just try to. I try to write different things and just like things that people don't think about. You know, again, the midlife crisis. You know, you might not think about it in the song or "Fine Season Woman." You know, where it's like Muddy Waters wrote "19." She's 19 years old and. You know, you got Steely Dan talking about Hey 19. Yeah, and, you yeah. know, all the older guys like the young girls, but what about the women that's in their 30s and 40s? Right. You know? And I do like a woman with a little bit of gray in her head. You know what I mean? It's like, <clears throat> I mean, you know, that's the fine season yeah, sure. woman. And they should be, you know, um, you know put, in a, put in a song, you know? So it's just things that people don't think about that I like to try to write. Know.
0: So I know this is just normal li- life to you because you've been driving for a long time, and you were driving while you were trying to make a name in the blues. But you know, from from an outsider's point of view, it's a it's an interesting juxtaposition between being a dru- bus driver and being a blues musician who who just who's seen some success, who's mm-hmm. touring in Europe a number of times, who. Apparently killed at the Chicago Blues Fest (laughs) two years ago. Yeah, like let's talk about that. Talk about was it June thirteenth, twenty fifteen, when you headlined? Yeah, tell me what that was like. like.
1: That was like one of the best, best and the fastest forty-five minutes of my life because it was only forty-five minutes. See, I I think I reset myself. Even though I've done all these great things, when I'm on that Buzz Monday morning, sitting in traffic, it feels like you know I don't have time to to get my English accent, you know what I mean? Like Madonna or somebody. <laughs> Hello, yes, I've been to here and there. You know, I don't have time to get that because I'm a regular, you know, not regular person. We are regular people, but I'm just like a bus driver, blue collar worker.
0: I wonder, I wonder, when I watched you interact with your, your fans and friends last night, I wondered that what you were like on the bus Dealing with your passengers I'm like and your that too. I
1: presume you were the same person I'm like that yeah I mean and sometimes people are like taking aback because a bus driver's talking to them and not like yelling at them or whatever it's like you know they sometimes they have complaints and when I try to explain to them then it's a thing you know because I'm willing to engage and talk if you really want to know the reason why I'm late you're not just gonna yell at this badge <laughs> you know what I mean and right. and and disrespect me I'm gonna tell you the reason why I'm late it's because of traffic, construction, because they cut the runs off the street. So you know, I mean, I'm trying, you know. So I engage them in conversation, but not in a arguing type of way. But I'm not gonna let anybody uh, throw water on my fire. You know what I mean? And just walk away. You know. But when you have a night
0: like you did at the Chicago <coughs> Blues Fest, mm-hmm. the next day or the next week when you go back to work, what is that like in in terms of?
1: Uh, well, you know, I got I got my memories, and I just sit there on the bus and think about, man, that was cool, you know. And I blend back into, I guess, society or whatever, and not a guy that just got, you know, 6,000 people or whatever looking at me or <laughs> whatever it was. And, right. You know, it was some crazy number. And um, and it wasn't just that you were headlining, but it sounded like you killed. Well, you know, 45 minutes, and you put your best stuff out there, and you hot, and you looking at all these people, oh, my God. You know, which I try to section it off only to my mom because my mom brought a sign with my name on it. You know, I'm like at that time 47 or whatever, but my mom's got this sign <laughs> which said Taranzo or whatever. You know, my name, <laughs> but you know, it had my CDs on them, But so they thought she was selling CDs. <laughs> yeah, it's just you know, my mom, she's gonna love me, right? Yeah, yeah. you know, she's gotta she gotta love me. And yeah, it's would not be, like it'd be a shame if she didn't. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> so but it was, um. You know, it's just cool to, to, I guess, to have that double life. I guess, you know. Um, I mean,
0: do you ever think maybe one day I could quit driving and just do this full time, or is that just in the in the the way the business is today? Is that totally unrealistic?
1: Um, I for me, I'm I'm a, a plan B type of guy. I don't want to just put my. Now maybe if I was by myself and I didn't have like a family or something like that, you know, maybe I can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't. You know, with the, the rising health care costs and things like that. And I don't want to put my family through it. I don't want to put my daughter through it because daddy want to be a blue star for however long it lasts. Right. She can't get proper health care or the clothes she want or the whatever, you know what I mean? So I don't want her to suffer because of me. Right. So, um, <clears throat> and plus, too, I'm so closer to retirement, it'll be hard just to say, ah, you know. Keep my pension. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know? Wait,
0: well, like, but you have that to look forward to. So in, in well, yeah. some ways, that mm-hmm. I don't know how many years you have, but there's a point that about, you can say, I'm going to retire. About two years pension.
1: and some change, maybe. Two years? Two and a half, maybe two some change, hopefully. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. not much. Yeah, I mean, they want 26 years, and I got 24. So... Um, You know, I I need to go to the office and find out for sure what's going on, you know.
0: But would you consider that, and and then...
1: I I I would, to see if I could, you know, if I I know I got some money coming from another source, you know. um, Then, or whatever is left, or whatever they give you, you know, you know how it is. But
0: the last two years have been pretty good for you.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you're
0: making a name for yourself, you're playing in festivals all over the world. yeah. What's that like for somebody who came up just doing weekly jams, Mm. and who didn't have this big plan... But now mm. you're finding yourself playing in in europe and, and finding a following
1: it's i i i had to i, I was in brazil and i had to consciously f- pull myself back and say let me enjoy what i'm doing because i had been to armenia and france and germany and i had did a you know a bunch of other gigs but not a lot of not a lot a lot of gigs in america mm-hmm. i just did my first east east coast tour in july oh. and a lot of people was like well, you you know, because the record label and, and um, they was kind of saying, nobody knows you here too much in America. And I'm like, I was nominated for a BMA with the Delmark release. How did they all know me? And it was like, they don't, they don't know, like, you're not a name, like, you know, I don't, somebody else, you right. know, whoever plays a lot in America. But they knew me in Europe, you know.
0: But you have, okay, so you now have a following, and then you're obviously building up. You're working around uh, your work schedule, I guess?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You know, I work Monday through Thursday, and I work, I get off Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and if I take a vacation day on a a Thursday or Monday, that gives you like four days. Like a couple of months ago, we did Finland and Denmark. (laughs) I left Thursday. We played Finland, flew to Denmark, then flew back to America Sunday. Monday morning, I'm on the bus. (laughs) And my friends, you know, uh, I mean, like the people that know me at work now, they know what I do. But um, and are
0: they supportive of your work? Oh yeah,
1: yeah. Like um, you know, like the managers and stuff. Because it's like CTA now. Like CTA is supportive of what I do oh, because because I I got um, a local channel here, Channel Nine, WGN did a, a expose on me, and I guess it gave CTA like a you know a good you know face or whatever. Yeah. So. But um, I was in Armenia one time, and I flew through Moscow, and um, my friends saw on Facebook that I was in Moscow, but I come walking in the, uh, the next day at work, Monday morning, and everybody looked in me. well, you just in Moscow, and I'm like, <laughs> I said, yeah, you know. I was like, because it was, it was a lot of snow in Moscow at the time, you know, and I, and I was like, you know, but I was like, yeah, I was, you know, but I had to, that's what I meant to say. When I was in Brazil, I had to consciously think and, and enjoy myself and enjoy the moments and things that's happening to me, because I just look at it as okay, it's another gig, and I'm gonna be you know a bus driver Monday morning, right. <laughs> you know whatever. Uh, it it was work, but it was fun work, you know. Um, so again, I I don't have time to get my you know my English accent, my ruffles, and be all praise me, look at me. Uh, I'm just it's it's a gig. I'm happy people looking at me. Thanks a lot. Okay, I see y'all later. I gotta go drive a bus, <laughs> you know. Do you have goals? Um. Well, yeah. The, I guess the, the ultimate goal is to keep doing it. The goal is to to be different from whatever's going on. Like to be, uh, you know, a little bit different or whatever. Right. Um, new, new but old or whatever, you know. And do you think you're achieving that? So far, and I think I think it's from the songs and. I think it's from the songs and um, you know, just offering something a little bit different and new. You know, I was questioned if I wanted to go the Chicago route, like when we first started doing the album. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Chicago's all I know. You know, I don't know how it is to be you know, I, I I think they wanted me to be kinda like just a blues guy that had really didn't have a home. But everywhere I go in the world, Chicago's got that extra kick to it where people would <laughs> stand up and say, well, okay, maybe we should check this guy out, because Chicago's infamously or famously got something that people, especially blues, that people want to say, okay, is he drinking the same water as Buddy Guy, or or whoever they like, Elmore yeah, yeah, yeah. James, or whatever the case is, so I said, no, I, I want to go the Chicago route, and it worked out, you know, me being a bus driver for the city of Chicago, I guess it was a, a great story, you know, but it was it's just something that I didn't think about. It's just something that I do, you know. And I like I said I should think a little bit more because, you know, I just you know, I just want to play I, I never had this dream. People say you live in a dream and I'm like, it was never a dream. It was just kinda like, wow, this is cool, <laughs> you know. But th-
0: th- did things just happen to you? I mean I you know, obviously signed to Delmark and signed and now signed to Alligator Records, mm. that just doesn't happen without some quality and some effort put behind it.
1: Um, you know, I inquired, like you know, um, uh, but when Delmar came along, because I was about to do my third independent release, <clears throat> when Delmar asked me to do a, a CD, and apparently, because again, I was playing side man with a guy named Chris Harper, and he went into Delmar to do to cut some tracks, mm-hmm. and Steve Wagner, like saw me or whatever, and the guy Chris Harper is from Switzerland, and he wanted me to sing my song Ernestine, and and. I guess it's right place, right time, all that stuff, but it's not like I was having lunch with people and doing this and that, you know what I mean, and trying to position myself. You know, um, at one point, like, when Alligator went down, you know, things were happening for me on my own. I was touring a lot over in Europe, um, um, and I was kind of doing the same gigs as Alligator artists were doing, and, you know, and... At Delmark, too, but alligator, you know, like the, 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 the guys on that level, right? That had a, that had a uh, uh, agency working, a talent agency working for him. I was doing those gigs with nobody. Well, you know? How did you
0: get those gigs? How did well, you get gigs in Europe without? Well, the
1: well, 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 well there was, um, there's a young lady named Lisa Panoyan that saw me here at a club at Blue Chicago, and she went and told a French guy. And, Martin, uh, and I forgot the, the area he's in. But she knew he brought guys overseas. So he brought me over to f- France, did a little tour there. and It was successful. It was cool. And then all of a sudden I started getting calls from, you know, like Belgium, and things started happening kind so
0: of. So tell me about that. You're, you're used to playing in Chicago, playing in the local bars, doing your thing, mm-hmm. and now you're playing in Belgium or France. What does that feel like for you?
1: Oh, that was I mean, it was like, wow, that's cool. But again, it wasn't a dream that I had when I was trying to learn redemption song. <laughs> you know what I mean? So when people say, You live in a dream, I'm like, okay, I see what you're saying, but like now I'm dreaming because I see what it can do and what it's done. I'm like, Wow, okay, I do I wanna go to Japan. You know what I mean? I wanna, you know, I wanna go um to, you know, other places, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, um, I mean, you know, one of the things that, you know, as
0: we discussed, there's a lot of humor, I think, in your show, mm-hmm. whether it be the in-between song bantering or <laughs> the song lyrics. Yeah. How does that translate when you play in France? I mean, I presume you're doing the same show. You're not.
1: Um, it, it, Your show is, is tape. when I did Latvia, you know, there's certain things where it's like, you know, people looking and they you, they want to hear the traditional songs. At that time, I wasn't writing a lot, and when I went to Latvia, I wasn't writing my songs, right. but... Um, Sometimes, like bad contract, might not go over too well, you yeah. know. Um, yeah, that, that, yeah. Or well, some of the things that you might say it might just go over their heads. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I'm as talkative in some ways when I go overseas, where like in Germany and Belgium, where there's or Amsterdam, where there's English right. know, speaking stuff. Uh, there's English speaking um, population. Then, you know, I, I do talk a little bit, but I, I'm conscious of that in a way where it's like, okay, let me just play to the people with a little, you know, with a, a little side banter or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. for those who might understand, you know. But when, I, when I'm when i in an audience like in America or New York and we did something like that, it's like, you know. So, but it but it's hard to... Um,
0: and is it, sorry, is it the same every night or are there's just stuff coming out of you? Well,
1: well, well mo- there's mostly stuff coming out of me, but there, there's some, some things where I might say over, like, when I bite the strings and show the women the strings. You know, I've, I've said that several times yeah. because you can't just tell every woman that in one show. You got to spread that, man. <laughs> you know? <laughs> that information must be known every show.
0: And that is part of the Hendrix moment, if I would yeah, it. yeah,
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, no, but, I mean, there's things that's kind of like I, um, you know, I've said before in shows, but it's not a script. Right. Yeah, I mean, it could be something you know like the red draws purple draws things whatever you know i mean i'm sure i've said it before but it's not an every show thing it's just something to to get people say wow did he say that you know what i mean for the guy maybe for the drunk guy at the yeah, at yeah, the bar yeah. that's for him you know it's like did he say purple draws Huh? purple <laughs> you know so
0: but this is many years in the making your stage presence right
1: yeah, and it, it was a defense mechanism at first because I figure if I talk to the audience and we kind of like vibing that they won't look at me at my lack of guitar playing or skills or whatever, you know what I mean? It's just kind of like, it's like when you're in church and you're singing, no matter how bad the singer is, the the, the church is going to give you, you know, some acknowledgement and say, yeah, keep on going, yeah, and you know, you sing it off key or whatever, <laughs> you know, you don't sound like, you know, you don't sound that great. But the church is always supportive. There's always going to be like the old black women at the church, yeah, sing it, baby, sing it, you know. <laughs> so I figure if I talk to the people and kind of be like, you know, a community type thing, like, hey, y'all, da-da-da, then it'll be like a friendship and they might not judge me for my, my you know, lack you of guitar. Do you still feel
0: that about your guitar playing?
1: Um, When you see people like Mike Wheeler and <laughs> Carlos Johnson and, you know, and Carl Weathersby and, you know, Buddy guy, you know, John Primer, you see guys that just know the strings and they just, you know, yeah. I mean, some, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, you get kicked in the back, you know, I mean, if you're a thinking guy, you know, where it's like, man, I need to, you know, I need to get my stuff together, you know. Again, keeping up. Vastai Jackson is another one.
0: So I how, how yeah. do
1: you, are you practicing all the time? Like, how does that work? Uh sometimes, man. Because after you've been on the bus 10 hours yeah, man, I can and imagine. traffic and, you know, it used to be like I couldn't wait to get home and practice and stuff like that and be...
0: And you also have family.
1: Family, yeah. My daughter, you know, she wants to talk about, you know, Taylor Swift or somebody or, <laughs> or you know, or that. You know, she's got homework or things like that and we talk and... So, I mean, yeah. Um,
0: like, how does... How do you get better at what you do at this stage in your career?
1: Um... When I do have that long time, I'm like I'm always like I do have my time in the basement where where I, I got my little man cave or whatever and I go through songs or like I might practice a lick that I've heard Joe Bonamasa do or something where it's like, wow, that's kinda cool or a, a turnaround of a blues turnaround or something, you know. And, and the, but to get it from the basement to the stage is the problem, <laughs> you know. I got it down downstairs, but like last night when I'm just flying. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, people looking and I'm looking at them and we, you know, there's that circle. Yeah. <laughs> that never ends cycle. You know, I'm just in the moment, you know. And
0: Which is, I mean, and in the moment, and you were flying. So it's, hmm. it's, yeah. it's kind of um, <laughs> difficult for me to think that you, you feel self-conscious about your guitar playing.
1: I mean, if, when I sit back, like, sometimes, like, there's a thing called giggity TV where you can look, you know, like, it, it tapes or whatever, yeah. you know, and I look at myself and it's like, oh. I, I mean, I used to look at myself like, and I still do, I guess, like, um, you know, when a basketball team loses a game or a football, yeah. you know, they go run the tapes and look and say, what you could have did better with it, you know. <laughs> I, I, I would I would do that sometimes, and sometimes I'm like,
0: ooh. You know, but you know um, what? Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I work in video. This mm-hmm. is what I do. It's, mm-hmm. it's I edit video, and... And the thing that amazes me is whenever you shoot a band mm. and you watch it on video, 99 out of 100 times, it's not as good as the live experience. Mm. Maybe 100 times out of 100 times. Mm. Because there's just something about... They know a camera on them. You know, not, not even that. It's just in the moment, you're there, you're feeling it. Mm-hmm. And you can make a mistake, and it doesn't even matter. Yeah. Because yeah. it's magical. Yeah, but yeah. But on tape or on video,
1: it's just... Not as magical.
0: I don't know why. You know, well, this it's one of those mysteries, but it's
1: well, there was a thing where uh, and, and I don't know if this is like related, but like I had heard of Jimi Hendrix, mm-hmm. you know, because people was like, You left-handed like Jimi Hendrix. And I'm like, Okay, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, when I heard the studio stuff on Jimi Hendrix, I was kinda like, it was the bootleg stuff. I was like, Is this the Jimi Hendrix they talk about? <laughs> but when I saw Monterey for the first time, right. I was like, Whoa. Man, I was holding my stomach, man. I was like, oh, my God, you know. I saw the visual, you know, yeah, the tape, so, or the video. And so I'm like, this is the Jimi Hendrix they're talking about. And that freaked me out, man. I was but that was like, like his
0: U.S. breakout gig, right? Like, that was his preview. Yeah, yeah, States, yeah.
1: So. That was his 45 minutes of, like, <laughs> me at, uh, <laughs> at the Blues Fest.
0: So I didn't think of that, yeah. How do you top that? How do you now go, okay, so I did the Blues Fest two years ago. I kicked ass. Now what do I do?
1: Um, I, no, I, I just—it's it, a never-ending for me. It's never-ending process because whoever saw me at that place, they saw me there. But people last night didn't see me play Blues Fest, or right. the people in France never see me play Blues Fest. You know, so it's a never-ending thing where it's like I need to—I need to—you know—not <laughs> kill everybody, but I need to. Everybody need to see—you know—not how hungry I'm, but like the feeling that it feels good to Do this, that's why I thank the audience for you know supporting the live music. And Buddy Guy sitting over there, and he's got one of the few venues here in Chicago mm-hmm. that, um, that you know supports that live music, you know. So, you know, for me, I, I'm never what they say, rest on your laurels or whatever, or get you know fat and satisfied. Is it, once you get fat and satisfied, you might as well just gonna put the guitar under your bed, you know. Right. Um, yeah, I, I guess like money, I'm I, I'm not satisfied. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you know, you want to play, and it's it's a it's an honor, and you find and you realize, you know, it's a privilege to play because people don't gotta come out of their house to come see you play. Mm-hmm. They ain't gotta pay fifteen twenty dollars to see you play with YouTube and all that stuff, and you know whatever's going on. There's a lot, you got a lot more options, you know, and um, in the economy, or for good or bad or whatever they say it is, you know. People can spend that 15 dollars on something else, you know? So it's 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 a honor and a privilege to be on stage. That's why I tell my band, and I try to tell other guys, dress for the stage, you know, respect the stage, you know. You know, when you see Muddy Water and all them cats, man, they dressing good. They got suits on with the handkerchiefs and all that. And I mean, I don't suit up all the time, but uh and there's been a couple of gigs where I couldn't like like festivals, or whatever, where the hotel's not right, you know, right. you got to wear a t-shirt and stuff. But I feel so bad when I have to do stuff like that, you know.
0: What What other philosophies do you have? Like, if I was to ask you, what's your philosophy in music or in what you do? Can you share any with me?
1: Any rules or ideas um, that
0: you, you feel strongly what, what,
1: about? I, I've been I've been I've been bitten before when you try to help people sometimes, but uh, you know, you try to. You, when the door is open for something, you know, like, like I, I, I think I'm shining a little light on Chicago musicians. Mm-hmm. I wasn't the first one to, to, holler, Chicago blues is still alive or whatever. Um, but Chicago musicians, in some ways, we used to get, slighted a little bit, you know. Um, I was in California, <laughs> and uh, and uh, we did San Jose, and I just wanted to jam. You know, the, the the manager of the club took me and the musicians out, and I said, hey, brother, I'm from Chicago, and I, that don't make you good. I'm like, I didn't say that, man. You know? <laughs> I'm just telling you I've come a long way, and I want to jam with y'all the whole thing. And I've heard other stories of other Chicago musicians say they've been placed and do things, and people, they all, you know, other musicians from other cities right. automatically get that attitude because you're from Chicago. And it's like, dude, you know? So it must be something we got here that intimidates, in some ways, other artists.
0: That's interesting. I you never know, heard
1: that, but I can yeah, und- I can understand why. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I but I, but we. I mean, you know, everybody yeah. playing blues, and to me, I was, you know, I mean, but when I started hearing it from other people, like, like, um, it might have been that one bad apple. Well, no, because we went scared. to another club. We went to another club that same night, and my friend Chico was again at the in the you know in the what you call it. And the guy, I'm not gonna say no names because I've learned not to say <laughs> some
0: names. <laughs> but that's what makes a good interview, now, Yeah, good.
1: yeah, I know. But the one guy, he was a harmonica player, I'm gonna leave it alone. But he was a harmonica player. And his guitar player knew who Chico was. He knew both of them knew who Chico Banks were, was. And and his guitar player was ready to give him his, you know, and these are guys with a name, okay? Mm-hmm. So he said, hey, we see our friend Chico Banks in the in the audience. We're going to do a song for him. She goes right here. And, and the, you know, now in Chicago, if we see a guy that can play and we know him, you come on up and play your guitar and come do a jam with me, you know? Lindsey didn't have his guitar like yesterday or whatever. But if there's a guy from another city or another country or whatever the case is, that say he can play and he want to play and he not drunk, you know, you're you, you checking Man. him out. Come on up and play. Because if he's bad, that's on him. If he don't sound good, that's his fault, right. you know. But um, you sometimes you don't get that same kind of love when you go to other cities. Interesting, you know. And I've heard that from several musicians that that travels, you mm-hmm. know. And it's like, wow, you know. I, and that's that's kind of disheartening, but it's kind of cool at the same time. It's like, okay, if you think I'm a threat, then okay, cool, you know because yeah. if I ever open up for you or if I ever, whatever, you know what I mean I- I'm going to get in you I'm going to give you a musical colonoscopy <laughs> <laughs>
0: Now do you have that attitude? Is there a part of you that says okay I'm going in on a you know, festival lineup I'm the second one before or yeah. the, I'm the one before the headliner I'm going to kick his
1: ass um, Yeah I, I don't say kick ass but make them earn their money because right. you know they're getting paid more than you and you always make the headliner. Like, like when yesterday when Jimmy Nick was doing this thing, I like that. You, when 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 you're opening up for somebody, the only person I got scared, a little nervous was, and I didn't do all my stuff, and this was years ago, was when I opened up for Otis Rush. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I was like, man, that's Otis Rush. Even though I've opened up for Buddy Guy and stuff like that. At that time, I wasn't opening up for Buddy Guy, I'm sorry. but. Um, that was the guy that I was just like, wow, I'm so old as well. And six months later, he had his stroke, mm. you know? And that was at the Old Buddy guys down the street. But um, man, yeah, that's the only, but but other guys, like when I when I play these little festivals and stuff, because first of all, I'm happy to be in the area, a new area, like when we did the East Coast and all that stuff, and uh, like we did some in Florida. My thing is, I'm bringing the Chicago, this is what we do in Chicago seven nights a week. I'm bringing it to Florida I'm bringing it to New York or Maine or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, this is what we do. And if it if it's a little different from how they do their Florida blues or their New York blues or California, that's not my fault. Mm-hmm. You know, but this is what we do. <laughs> you know, and it's, you know, it's colorful. It's a little shit talking. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. It's a little, oh, my God. You know, it's a little uh, feces talking. <laughs> you know, but again, not to be... I mean, you know, I mean, you've seen Buddy Guy, and you've mm-hmm. seen, you know, Muddy and how people, you know, I mean, they, they, I mean, Howlin' Wolf used to take a champagne bottle and put it in his pants and shake it up. But when you see images, you don't, they don't show that story. Mm-hmm. But when you see the, the old image of, you know, uh, uh, Howlin' Wolf, you think he's this old nice guy that just sang with a raspy voice, nah, 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 but his show was kind of raunchy.
0: <laughs> you know? <laughs> how much those people who came before you mean to you? What what does that oh. mean to you?
1: You know, man. Those guys come from a, a era, a era where they had to drink out of different water fountains. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They came from down something like my grandparents. You know, they come from an era where it was deep, where it's like you, you know, you've been called boy, and you forty three years old. You you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, you know, they couldn't even vote. You know. That's why I don't take that stuff for granted, man. Those cats. when I say I'm standing, I got this from Jimmy Burns, that we're standing on the shoulders of giants, and that's to take the, and that's not, you know, some people misinterpret, you mean you're standing on the shoulders, you're trying to keep, them. I'm not, no, that's because the music has to be taken higher. You know, it's, you're standing on the shoulders of giants so you can get a little higher, and, every, and it's all about community and helping each other. If I can, if somebody can stand on my shoulders and take the music a little higher and, and, and reach the people, or whatever the case is, That's my duty, everybody's laying groundwork. Even though maybe some of them didn't know they were laying groundwork, you know what I mean? But it's like, those guys, man, man. I mean, you know, heroes, heroes, man. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) No, that's beautiful.
0: Um, We're gonna wrap this up, but tell me what you're working on now, do you have a new album coming up? what, are you working on the next
1: goal? Um, <laughs> um, well, I'm, I'm constantly writing and stuff. I got concepts for songs that I haven't really put the meat on the bones right. yet, you know. Um, but I'm looking forward to like this next year of um, gigs. Um, we, we're going to be in, in Edinburgh and Skegness or something like that, you know, around London and right. the UK. Uh, January 16th, and then we're doing March. We're going to be in uh, Bern, Switzerland. But to get the call for that Jimi Hendrix thing—that's
0: yeah. so, sorry, because people mm-hmm. weren't at the concert last night, they wouldn't know. But tell me oh. about the Jimi Hendrix.
1: Thing. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I got a I got a call from the agency, Intrepid Agency, that's like doing my booking and stuff now. Um, that they want me to play in the Jimi Hendrix experience, It's like a kind of like a sit-in type thing, you know. Uh, but you know, whoever the local person is that plays in you know that particular town you know, I get a chance to do it, like, and they wanted me to either do Chicago or Milwaukee, or both, so right. I'm hoping Milwaukee may be still the Now, did they bus. tell you what
0: song to do, or? No,
1: I haven't found out yet, but I just know that I'm, because they promoted it already, which is good, so I'm gonna find out later, you know, who I'm gonna be paired with, and what song we're gonna do. You know, and I told Buddy Guy last night, I uh, was talking to Buddy, and I said, uh, yeah, I'm gonna be on that Jimi Hendrix thing. He's like, man, that's a lot of fun, that's a lot of fun. You're gonna have a great time. And for Buddy, again, to talk to me like a regular cat, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. like a, a peer or whatever, that blow my mind too, you know? And then he also said that song, Walk It Off, that song, I, I was in Louisiana, and I think it, I, I was somewhere, but I heard that song, Walk It Off, that you do, you know, cause he knew that was my song and he liked it. And for that to happen last night, for Buddy Guy to, again, he might not know my name, but he know that I'm that left-handed player. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, with the song that he likes, which I hope he cut one day, you know, which would be, will it be a, now that's a dream. That's sure. a dream, you know. But I'm sorry. No, I, no, I digress. That's I digress. No, I mean, I,
0: you know, I just, I think it's a tough business. I think it's a really, really tough business. I talk to a lot of musicians, and I'm amazed at how difficult the blues business is to be out there playing and making a living all the what, time.
1: What, well, you know what, I it, and, and again, that's for me not thinking, but I didn't put my eggs in one basket where this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a blues man. I'm going to travel the world. To me, whatever was happening was cool. Man, this is cool. And I think that messes with some musicians' heads because you know, cause some musicians, and let's face it, just the blues and stuff, I don't think the blues should be politically correct. No, and I it also don't it think is. it's only the blues. I think yeah. it's
0: tough. Across the board,
1: across the board, yeah. Making music is a
0: difficult, difficult job to do, to you consistently know. do it, to get paid well, and
1: and to be treated well, mm-hmm. you know. So. Well, well, uh, again, like you got musicians, and I guess there's every genre, they don't think certain musicians should be there, right? And my mentality was, I've never hated on anybody. I've never said they don't deserve it, you know. It just kind of like, wow, that's cool, they got gigs. Cause my thing was, whatever happens. I gotta. I can go back to driving a bus. You know what I mean. I'm, my bills gonna be paid. You know, but this is cool to have this music and do this. And then when I start getting all this, you know, extra light shine on me. You know, people like, you know, they questioned that I work. I mean, I try to put myself in some positions where, at the time, where, again, like with Bruce Iglauer, when I would play gigs, I would tell him that, yeah, I, I got, you know, I got this gig and I'm doing this to let him know. Yeah, I'm doing this kind of like without alligator or without what you call them. I'm, I'm doing these good gigs on my own, you know? Right. And, um, and I think that kind of turned him around and said, wow, okay, maybe we can see what happened. You know, we, we try them out and things kind of came along. But I never, I never wake up in the morning saying, I'm going to do this and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be a blues musician. I'm going to quit my job. All this stuff is just, to me, extra gravy. It feels good to do
0: many many years ago somebody told me that there's a difference between a full-time musician and a part-time musician <laughs> and and I think there might have been mm-hmm. but that was 15 years ago and I mm-hmm. think things have changed drastically mm-hmm. and I think there's a difference between the hunger that somebody has mm-hmm. a- and 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 the security somebody has you know what I mean and and you could be a full-time musician but picking up horrible gigs that do nothing for you, and are you a better musician because of it, versus you could be secure in, in what you do because you have a job, mm. but you can, now you can do other things and really enjoy it because you have that other job.
1: Well, well, well you know, I gotta say it, man, I gotta say it. Some cats, or some people, they look at me like I'm not a real musician because I got a, re- a regular job. Right. I always go back to Muddy Waters drove trucks, Howland, you know, Holland Wolf or whatever, you know, play, did something. Buddy used to work at a gas station. You know what and I mean? He drove it's, trucks too. Yeah, I yeah, mean, drove yeah. trucks and and you know, I mean, but see, in some ways, see, how can I put this delicately <laughs> without offending nobody? Yeah. But but it's but somebody gonna get offended because that's the way it is, and I'm sure I probably write a song about it. I don't have that safety net of having a rich girlfriend or a boyfriend where I gotta, you know, oh, mm-hmm. if I don't get the gig, now I could just lay up, you know what I mean? Or a person that's doing, that's footing all the bills.
0: Right.
1: I don't have that safety net. So I feel like, I had an argument years ago with a guy, he was telling me, I would full time music, or, you know, this is your craft and you should just do this. I'm like, man, come on. You know, I'm like, you got a girlfriend that's making $100,000 a year. How you gonna tell me? I said, I gotta, I gotta call clubs on my lunch break, I gotta play the gig, get four hours of sleep, and then go to work the next day. I said, man, I probably love the music more than you do. So you can't come to me and tell me, you know, I'm not a real musician with what I go through. And he was on my gig. <laughs> he was a bass player. He, he was on my gig telling me that I'm not a real musician because I got a regular job.
0: I bet you he wasn't, he's not on your gig anymore.
1: Well, no, but, you know, I just, you know, <laughs> no, no, but, but, but I, I, I dug where he was coming from, but you, you hear that in a way where people, you know, where you should be, I'm not going to be a starving artist at 40 something years old or 30 something. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be a starving artist. I'm going to do, like Denzel, I'm going to do what I got to do to do what I want to do. And driving a bus, you know, because I've told, I told one club owner that thought he was, you know, um, trying to, you know, redirect my whatever. You know, by not giving me gigs. Man, man, I can bust every good time in the middle of the street. My bills will still be paid. But see, that's the respect thing, where it's like I'm not in this business to be disrespected. I'm not, but I'm here to have my fun, do my thing, and all that stuff. But I can't let people, yeah. you know, throw jabs at me and I'm not supposed to say nothing back. That's where the, you know, I guess that blue spirit come in, where it's like, <laughs> you know, I mean, I I think I'm a passionate dude and I, I like to have fun and all that stuff, but when somebody or get my goat or whatever they call it, <laughs> you know, you know you gotta you gotta put them back in in, in the box. You gotta put them in the place, you know. Right. But I don't subscribe to that. Uh, a guy with a regular job or a job is less of a musician than somebody else, cause cause they don't know what we go through to be on par with them or to be out there right. or to keep or to justify that two thousand dollar guitar that I bought. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know because yeah, I mean, man, it's, it, man. It, at one point it was a thing where you, you know, you're trying to call on business hours, but your lunch is only 45 minutes long, and you was late on the bus, you know, 10 minutes. So now you got 35 minutes, and now you're not eating because you're trying to get in touch with this club owner, you know, to, to get the gig, <laughs> you know. But they don't see that because they got a girlfriend that make $100,000 a year.
0: I see passion you know I, mean, I saw I'm what sorry, I, saw, I saw no no it's wonderful was that too angry no no, no, no no that's great um I'm gonna ask you one final question and mm-hmm. it's kind of it just kind of came up but mm-hmm. if I was to ask you if you could describe the passion you have for music how would you describe it
1: man um I can't imagine myself not doing it um like we were the band we were off um a couple of weeks. Um, because, you know, slow season or whatever. And, uh, you know, again, the the agency, you know, um, you know, we're going to get back on. But you were looking at the band last night that we were off probably like two and a half weeks, three weeks. So we were like, hey, man, you know, (laughs) because I even even said to the band on stage while we were playing, hey, welcome back, welcome back, you know. Um, So, but we're going to, again, kick it in gear and, and do our thing next year and all that stuff. But there are some valleys, peaks and valleys, but but I was at the house man I mean it's like something that I something that I got to do now I guess so I guess that's passionate you know where it's like you know I, I, I guess I got to do it I can't imagine just not doing it now because all the all the great things I've seen and the, the great things that you know people like yourself ask me to do <laughs> interviews and stuff you know it's like that's um that's pretty cool man so I want to keep riding this train until it uh See where it goes. Well, man. I think it's going to go a long <laughs> it's,
0: it's, a, it's been truly an honor to meet you and, oh, and watch you play. Thank you much. so much for this uh, time. Sorry for being so talkative. <laughs> no, no, no. I love it. Thank you very much. You're great.
1: Right. you. Okay. I don't... <laughs>